You're listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide, where therapists live, breathe, and practice as human beings. To support you as a whole person and a therapist, here are your hosts, Kurt Widhelm and Katie Vernoy. Welcome back, Modern Therapists. This is the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. I'm Kurt Widhelm with Katie Vernoy, and this is the podcast for therapists where we talk about the things that go on with our practices, things go on with our clients, and answer the largest questions in life. <laughs> and today is a seemingly philosophical debate. And, you know, as the instigator that I am, I like to look at where do we have some gaps maybe in our laws and our ethics? And bear with me here for a moment. This is going to meander a little bit, but it's going to get into a really good philosophical debate that actually does have potential legal and ethical ramifications. So I'm going to start with a little place in some California laws. I assume that some of the other states have maybe this same gap out there. California law requires that when we do telehealth with clients at each and every single session, we need to document where the client is located. Now, this comes with the idea that in the event of an emergency, we know where clients are. So that way we know how to best call in for higher levels of intervention or those kinds of things. The problem becomes when things like asynchronous therapy exists, when you know, we have newer forms of therapy that might benefit some clients even better. You know, writing, you know, emails or letters to each other. We've heard some people talking about how some of the online platforms have kind of this back and forth where it's not necessarily at the same time. Clients fill out worksheets on their time. It allows for them to better formulate their thoughts. They don't feel pressured by somebody just sitting right there waiting for them to respond. And we would generally call this asynchronous therapy. And at least as far as California is concerned, asynchronous therapy is acknowledged in our statutes. Now, the problem becomes, how do you document where a client is located and when therapy exists if you are participating in asynchronous therapy? Is it when I sent the email or the stuff to clients, do I need to also have them be like, hey, whenever you open this, just quickly type back like where you're located at that time. <laughs> if this is even getting into things like sending stuff to clients and then they travel out of state and open it up out of state, are we now violating interstate licensing jurisdiction laws? So the question becomes... Not only how do we do that, but the very philosophical question in and of itself, what is therapy? Yeah, I think some of what you're talking about feels a little silly. <laughs> because I don't know that like the asynchronous stuff, like, do you really think that there's going to be some sort of a legal reckoning around that? For the one in one million chance that this happens. <laughs> I want to be on record that this was at least discussed. <laughs> I mean, because we do get people every so often who are like, hey, I had this like one in a million thing sort of happen. And maybe Kurt and Katie have this episode and they go back through our archives <laughs> and they find that episode. So, hey, future person doing asynchronous therapy, you are welcome. <laughs> well, I think the question 
question goes beyond the crazy telehealth laws, because I think it is important that we understand the telehealth laws, that we understand what's happening. And follow the law. And follow the law. But if the law doesn't speak to it, how do we address that? Then we fix the law. (laughs) But we are not the people fixing the laws. That's the point of this is we can now point to we're in the archive of having discussed this. Mental health professionals are discussing that we need to fix gaps in the law so that way future people don't get in trouble. All right. All right. We're on record. But to me, it seems like, you know, there's quick phone calls that happen that are like, hey, I just need a quick check in. I mean, you're saying that the law suggests that every single time I communicate with my client that I'm supposed to say, okay, before we get started, where are you? I mean, you probably should, because if this is a crisis situation where somebody needs that kind of in-between session contact, part of your protocol should be like, all right, we kind of got to know what the situation is. So that way we best know how to handle what's going on. Sure, sure. But I mean, like a quick, like, hey, I was thinking about what you said and I wanted to have a quick phone call and it's two minutes. That's the point of this conversation is I did, you know, annoy the attorneys at Camp on this because <laughs> you know, one of the beautiful things about Camp membership is being able to call up and talk to the attorneys. And I asked this question to them and... I think in general, when I call them with legal questions, they're like, all right, we got to put our best and brightest on this. And because this is, yeah, Kurt <laughs> and we'll knows, get back to you. <laughs> Kurt knows, that, that's what happened. They're like, um, we got to call you back. We, we don't know <laughs> this one. <laughs> did they get back to you or are they still but working on it? <laughs> they did. And listen for the end of the episode and I will give what their response is. All right. All right. So. It's our responsibility. Okay, you're, you're going to know the law. We're supposed to know exactly where they are at all times. But it's our responsibility to have a sense of how we can best keep them safe. And part of that is knowing where they are when we're doing therapy with them. And the point of our conversation is, when are we actually doing therapy with them? Yes. Okay. Because if, you know, some of our platforms allow for clients to reach out to us by, you know, text message or, or through the platforms or this kind of stuff, if a client texts you like, I am having a panic attack. And Mm -hmm. you text them back, breathe. Like if that is something that you had talked about in a session, what you're doing in that particular moment is you are providing a evidence-based psychological intervention for somebody in the midst of a mental health condition. That seems to be therapy. Okay. So the law says... The law doesn't say anything. I am setting out to create the definition to put into the law. To make it harder for all of us. Thanks. So, but according to the current law, it would the response shouldn't be breathe. It's, where are you? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, e- even, even that's a mindfulness intervention of like, take notice of where you're at. Communicate <laughs> that to me. Two birds, w- one stone. What is your current address? What is your current location? And then breathe. <laughs> Yes. Like that is that is your, what you're suggesting is is happening in uh, that's that's what we should law, happen. Yeah. Whew. Okay. Well, I mean, I can see the intent, but I think it is hard because what if the the client says, "I'm so frustrated," da 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 da, and you're like, you know, remember what we talked about. See you in session next week. Is that therapy? I mean. 
that's crappier version of therapy other than remember that we talked about breathing. How about breathing now? No, no, no. I'm, it's not like that. I'm having a panic attack because that's actually kind of a crisis. It's more like, ah, I'm so frustrated and I didn't, I just, you know. Okay. So what you're saying is that the severity of whatever is going on with a client determines whether or not it's therapy. Yeah. Well, there, at some point it's like, when's our next session? And the answer is, you know, Tuesday at two. Like, <laughs> like that's not therapy. Sure. Okay. So let's work towards finding a cooperative <laughs> definition here. Well, I think if we get two of the weeds on this, this isn't going to be that interesting. But uh, there is an interesting definition that apparently has been put together by the masses on Wikipedia that doesn't really help us that much, but I'm going to read it anyway. Okay. Psychotherapy, also psychological therapy, talk therapy, or talking therapy, is the use of psychological methods, particularly when based on regular personal interaction, to help a person change behavior, increase happiness, and overcome problems. Psychotherapy aims to improve an individual's well-being and mental health, to resolve or mitigate troublesome behaviors, beliefs, compulsions, thoughts, or emotions, and to improve relationships and social skills. And it goes on, but using psychological methods to help people is kind of what Wikipedia got to. So there is plenty of aspects out of the field of psychology that is used by people who are not therapists. Yes. Like you and I talked about this a lot before the episode, like actually getting to a definition of what is therapy and what is not therapy. I mean, we have an episode on the line between therapy and coaching. We'll probably talk a little bit more about that kind of distinction here. There's also therapy versus coping skills. When I was working in community mental health, we had bachelor's level folks that were doing coping skills stuff and we billed a different rate through Medicaid and it had different qualifications. There are things that are therapeutic that aren't necessarily therapy. And so I think it's something where getting to a definition to determine what qualifies here is tough. On that point, I'm going to pick a couple of the words that you were saying here. There's an article from Becker called Wilderness Therapy, Ethical Considerations for Mental Health Professionals. And this is from 2009 and in Child and Youth Care Forum. And amongst a, a very good description, a lot of this applies to wilderness therapy here, but... Is this the, the type of therapy where they send kids off because they're bad, quote unquote? Some programs do that, yes. All right. So I would argue not therapy, but continue. Well, one of the points that Becker makes in this is that there are distinct differences between what is therapy and what is therapeutic. And that has to be something that is emphasized because there are lots of things that people do because they feel therapeutic. Retail therapy, wine therapy. <laughs> Going out into nature. Depending, well, I mean, even, and this is discussed in this particular article of wilderness therapy is going out into the wilderness or on a hike or camping or something where a mental health professional is using psychological principles to help clients better get into their emotions. And that is distinctly different than going on like a therapeutic hike. Sure. So, okay, is it the presence of a therapist that makes something therapy? Not necessarily. Like, I mean, there's a lot of just 
times where I'm sitting there while a client is talking where I don't know that my presence has necessarily moved the needle for them. Sure. And I think there's a lot of times when I'm in therapy with my clients where there's elements of it that are more skills-based and could be pretty similar to an executive coaching session. And I have clients who are executive coaching clients who I do similar skills. I just don't do the part that's therapy. <laughs> and so the way I define therapy in that regard is it's, it's when it really gets into more processing, healing practices versus practical skills. And that's how I distinguish it. But I think it's I think it's hard because even people that are trying to distinguish between coaching and therapy, I think, have their own definition. Some it's like, oh, therapy is past focused and coaching is present focused or future focused. It's like and that's that I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that either, because what that is describing is I'm going to shortcut a lot of just, you know, theoretical orientation debate here. Sure. A lot of that is describing the nature of therapy with that particular therapist. Yes, because it really is orientation-based, right? Like, right. if somebody's considering therapy very past-focused, I mean, it, that feels a little bit more like an old-school focus on, you know, kind of psychodynamic or, you know, those types of things where as a coach and as a therapist, I feel like I'm pretty balanced between past, present, and future. Well, I mean, and look at how many guests that we've had on, you know, Angela Caldwell comes to mind of like, you know, talking about family therapy does not seem to necessarily be about making people feel better. I mean, she actively describes as like <laughs> trying to make them feel worse. Fight therapy. We got to burn <laughs> stuff down. Therapy fight club. <laughs> we'll link to that episode of the show notes. It's really good. <laughs> so if that's the nature of therapy. Mm hmm. We still are, are, are working on getting towards, but what is therapy? The nature of therapy can happen in nature. It can happen <laughs> not in nature. Therapeutic things can be things that happen with or without a mental health professional. But if we're really honing in on like, what actually is therapy here? And why is that question important? I mean, you brought up the question around when do we have to document where a client is? Yes. But I think it's also like when a client is traveling to another state. Yeah, and absolutely. Needs a quick coping call and it's coping strategies. You know, you're a therapist, you're maybe having a continuity of care or a coping session call. And it's not, I'm not billing that as therapy, but it still is something that, you know, some people are like, oh, well, you can't even talk to your client because they're in another state because de facto, you're their therapist and you're providing them therapy. And so I think there's that nuance. There's also what can you bill insurance for? And it's potentially also what some people are using to describe. They're using the, the name therapy, like conversion therapy, which I would say is torture, not sure. therapy. Agreed on that one. So that is something that is not therapeutic, <laughs> that has therapy in the in name. In the name and is mm -hmm. not therapy either. Okay, let's let's go to your insurance example here. You know, this is even a matter of, you know, CPT codes of, you know, therapy according to the insurance companies. This is a sarcastic outsider's view, not, you know, to be taken as <laughs> as, you know, the words of all things for everyone. But therapy according to insurance companies is how much time a therapist spends with somebody doing things unless it's too much and the wrong CPT code is used and then it's not that. <laughs> and a lot of, I think, regular insurance companies only have kind of the basic therapy with the client 
and the different timeframes, collaterals with the client present or collaterals without the client present. So you can either, you can talk to a parent, you can talk to a family or a couple, or you can talk to the client. But Medicaid codes have a lot more, which also include case management. And I'm assuming these are probably other insurance, but just no, very few insurance companies actually cover these codes or a consultation, or I think there was a team case consultation for a long time and it got to change to something else. And then also more of these skills building that is not therapy as well. And so as a therapist, when I was billing insurance or when I do out-of-network billing, it's all therapy. Whatever I'm doing with the client is therapy. And I think I can legitimately say that because it's usually within the confines of a therapy session. And as we talked about in our nickel and dime one, I don't necessarily charge for quick phone calls outside of session unless they're long. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so for insurance purposes, as a therapist, everything I do is therapy. I'm going to go back to a point from Becker here for a second that is everything that you're doing during that session actually therapy, though? Probably not. (laughs) And, And there was actually some feedback within community mental health that the time spent, you know, talking about scheduling for the next week, we could not bill that minute. Sure. And like we actually had to pay attention to those minutes. And I would argue the cadence and frequency of therapy is a therapeutic activity. (laughs) And, you know, even a lot of this comes down into, you know, anybody who's hanging on this long, waiting for a common factors argument. Here's here's that part of the episode. But, (laughs) you know, how often do we hear, you know, it's about the relationship. And this is, you know, something where I had a termination session last month where talking with a client who is been in and out of my practice over the course of years and has reached a lot of their goals and brought in the client and I brought in parents and said, you know what, I think we can step away from sessions for a while. You've reached all of the goals that you've needed to reach. Go and have your life. And here's kind of the, if these things come up, these are particular times where you might want to consider reaching out for one or two sessions. And the ongoing discussion about that was, it was therapeutic for them to know just that there has been a consistent presence and availability, even if they aren't actively working with me. Now, I would love to bill their insurance company for that continued (laughs) ongoing therapeutic presence that I provide for them. Sure. But that's obviously not therapy here. No, no. Well, and I, I was just thinking of of kind of when we're talking about the relationship and that common factors that the relationship is one of the most important parts of therapy. I've had clients text me, I got the raise, I got the promotion, and me texting back, awesome, hooray. I mean, that's praise. Sure. <laughs> that's the relationship. And according to the crazy telehealth laws, I need to say, where are you? <laughs> hooray. <laughs> <laughs> What is your nearest emergency? <laughs> <laughs> Start time of text, 11.08 a.m. and 14 seconds. End time of text, 11.08 and 23 seconds. <laughs> yeah. I mean, even a, even a preset series of emojis that like you could just like send out to somebody. I mean, <laughs> the the point of getting ridiculous with this, though, is we have a lot of discourse in the field and a lot of arguments over what is the nature of therapy. And we we hold on to that and maybe conflate that with what is therapy. 
you know, all the things set aside, you know, this is something where we know what therapy is, mm-hmm. except for those conversion therapy folks, go fuck yourselves. But if we can define what therapy is, I think that it helps to move this discussion to something where when it comes to maybe more helpful than, you know, the one in a million you know, asynchronous therapy people, but especially in this interstate therapy definition of that is something that we do see people get in trouble for more regularly. And there have been lawsuits over, you know, especially during the pandemic of therapists working with clients who move to other jurisdictions of, you know, this being disruptive to what is therapy. But it's really getting clear on what is it that makes us as licensees or as registrants or people studying to be in this field, what is it that we actually do that separates us from the coaches and from everybody else? Okay, diagnose, but that's a first session sort of... And not all therapists are able to diagnose. Sure, exactly. That's not even necessarily a dividing line for all therapists. So other than agreeing to jump through a bunch of licensing boards processes, what is it that we do that's different than those people out there who are doing something therapeutic for people? And maybe another example of this while you're thinking of this is look at how much content creation out there by therapists has the disclaimer audit of this does not condone therapy or not a therapeutic relationship. This is not a substitute for therapy. Yeah. Yeah. For me, I feel like therapy is a process that the therapist and the client engage in that is more about healing and processing and deeper psychological principles than what coaches are doing. And there's more of a space in therapy for kind of a free range of expression and conversation in therapy than there is in coaching. In my kind of experimentation around who am I as a therapist and who am I as a coach, whether it was, you know, kind of that initial conversation with clients around, do I provide therapy to you or do I provide coaching to you? Which one is more appropriate? Or in those rare cases where there's a conversation, there may be a a discussion around switching if appropriate. And we have a whole episode on dual relationships. And I promise I went through the 17 steps. (laughs) But, you know, and and typically didn't switch. But in looking at what therapy is, therapy feels like this this deeper process where it's a little bit more free range. It's a little bit more, as far as like the conversation, it's a little bit more processing and feeling and digging into psychological principles, whereas coaching feels much more directive. And again, this may be to the same thing that you're talking about of it being therapist style. But coaching, you know, for example, if I have a therapy client who is an entrepreneur and they're doing something illegal, (laughs) I just allow that to stand and talk with them and do all those things. As a coaching client, I'm going to call you out on that because part of my responsibility is making sure that your business is going to be successful. Sure. Right. And so I'm more directive. It's more knowledge based. Now, I flow sometimes between those two, but the therapy element, there's so much more room, I feel like, to be expansive into the emotional process that I don't feel like I have in coaching. Now, my fear is that some coaches go there and they don't have the skills to help people uncover and deal with that kind of raw emotion. 
And so that's the concern I have about coaches who aren't therapists. But I think for me, that's how I distinguish between the two. And so when someone's at more of a place of skills and strategy and that kind of stuff, I feel like they can get more coaching and don't need as much therapy because the huge emotional process has kind of already happened. So to answer your question of like, what's different that therapists do than what coaches do? For me, it's, it almost feels like it's, it's hard to define, which seems to be the case for everybody, but it, it feels like it's a more emotional process. It feels like it's a deeper psychological process than what typically happens in coaching, at least for me. You know, part of the really broad definitions and maybe why there is so much, you know, discourse between therapists about what I am calling the nature of therapy here and where different approaches end up meeting clients with different needs is actually a good thing that it's not so well defined. And, you know, it seems to be speaking to, all right, we want to help people. We want to use these behavioral principles. There's a certain agreement of, you know, legally guaranteed things like confidentiality. There's standards that were upheld to that things like coaches don't necessarily have to follow. We can define what therapy is not. Yeah. And part of the struggle of this is being able to point to things like, okay, here's where the line where here's what therapy definitely is. It's not necessarily exclusive of any sort of singular one aspect or another. And this changes even from jurisdiction to jurisdiction. So we have clients, we tend to work on their emotional processes. We use things, you know, psychologically oriented or based out of psychological principles to do that. We work on relationships, depending on the nature of your license and who the client is, that Having our licenses and being a part of, you know, these professions allows for us to do in a more consistent way with a wide variety of people. That's what it allows us to do. Mm-hmm. And, and I know that this is maybe pedantic. So now are we needing to define what is a therapy session? I think that's actually more accurate because to me, as we've been talking about it, I am a therapist. My relationship with my clients, who I'm a therapist for, is as a therapist. Not everything that I provide to them is therapy, I don't believe. And so it becomes, what is a therapy session? I mean, it still doesn't really help the folks that are doing asynchronous therapy sessions. (laughs) Actually, this might help them even more, but... Sure. But I think there's that element of you know, as a therapist, if I were to charge differently for coaching sessions with therapy clients versus therapy sessions with therapy clients, you know, and coaching sessions mean more like DBT coaching calls or things that are more specific, tighter timeline, that kind of stuff. Like, does that interact with these laws or does it just confuse things more? So for those of you who are waiting for the appeal to higher authority and what the wonderful attorneys at Camp told me when they (laughs) called me back is there's nothing in statute and there have been no cases that have gone through the courts that have necessarily defined what is therapy. And in the absence of those things, what a therapy session is, is ultimately, whatever the therapist defines it as. But in the nature of consumer protections, it might also be how the 
client or patient describes it as a therapy session. I love that. And I was ready to just boo whatever answer that you came up with. But I love that because if what we encourage as far as, you know, what's on your website, more importantly, what's in your informed consent is being able to describe the nature of therapy with you. You should work towards defining what is a therapy session and what is not in your informed consent paperwork. And, you know, you talked about DBT coaching calls. I think that this is a great example of where what is defined as therapy and what is defined as a coaching call is very much set up within that structure. Yeah. In individual therapy sessions with your individual therapist, coaching calls happen at these times in this format. Mm -hmm. And so the better that you can structure yourself like that, if you are those one in a million case sort of people... This is where just a little bit of a forethought of defining like, okay, when is it a therapy session? If you need a check-in in between sessions to better be able to apply the skills that we have, I'm, I'm taking straight out of DBT here. Sure. Reach out to me in these ways. We'll talk about the principles that we put into place to help you generalize them to the environment. That Those are coaching calls and you know whatever structure you got set up for however you're building those things also be clear and upfront about that and that seems to be a good place to maybe settle on here's what therapy is with you and yet we still haven't solved the problem of tax and asynchronous <laughs> define it <laughs> but if all that you do are these asynchronous sessions quote unquote or asynchronous messaging i mean I can almost see it as something where within a, an asynchronous therapy app, it tags where you are when you write a text and you have to have your GPS on. <laughs> like that's the only way I see this working because I think therapists having to ask before they respond to something or having to figure out where their clients are in this asynchronous fashion. I mean, sure, if we're sitting down and we're just texting back and forth and it's synchronous, but just written therapy. Mm -hmm. That's one thing. But if it's, I'm having a panic attack and I don't know what to do about it, you know, and you respond 30 to 50 minutes later, it may be, even if you say breathe, it may not really be therapeutic. And it's, it's just one of those things where it's like, it's, I still feel like there is a problem here. Let's take this to an even more absurd place. You know, right. what if I am walking through TJ Maxx picking up decorative pillows for my office and one of them has breathed, you know, stitched onto it and a client is also in the same store as me. Is that therapy? <laughs> I think I think not. <laughs> uh, but you would know where they were. <laughs> But to me, it seems like this is an interesting time to be a therapist because there are all of these different places where we have to define what is and is not therapy, whether it's in content creation, if it's, you know, quick coaching calls when clients are potentially not where you're licensed. I mean, I think there's different things that we're not going to recommend or say don't do. We're, you have to make your own decisions on these things and, you know, ethical decision making. But and legal decision making. But I think it's something where it is important for us to understand it because we have to defend our decision making on what we're providing to our clients and when and how much documentation and scrutiny that we do based on some of these telehealth and other types of laws. 
We would love to hear your thoughts on this and help us maybe come to a better conclusion than where we have arrived. We'll include a couple of links in our show notes over at mtsgpodcast.com of some of the stuff that we've been looking at. And you can also follow us on our social media. You can join our Facebook group, the Modern Therapist Group. And if you want to continue to support us in the work that we do, please consider becoming a patron. We do some wonderful things for our patrons every so often. Join us on Buy Me a Coffee. And until next time, I'm Kurt Woodhelm with Katie Vernoy. Thank you for listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. Learn more about who we are and what we do at mtsgpodcast.com. You can also join us on Facebook and Twitter. And please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any of our episodes. 